The Rio Grande Valley is an excellent place to bird, but if you've been listening to us, you may have already heard. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I like your nervous chuckling. It was a good nervous chuckle that time. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. <laughs> and we created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have about different birding topics. We are definitely not experts, and anything that we discussed might be controversial. We want you to remember their own opinions, and they might be different from yours. So there's been a couple things on the news that we've uh, kind of neglected to talk about um, that uh, have happened in the last uh, couple couple of months or so. We um, need to start like keeping notes. We do need to st- take notes as weeks go on so we don't forget about news things that are happening. It's nice that like eBird tracks our lists and, <laughs> or else we would forget everything. It, exactly. I mean, we need a thing to track bird news and <laughs> news and birding. So one of the things that's um, really interesting is about Audubon and National Audubon Society so there's been a lot of uh, Audubon employees that have worked together to create this union mm-hmm. so that they all have more comfortable workplace, um, you know, feel more comfortable, like, talking about the issues and voicing their opinions and having a bigger um, stake in the game, I yeah, guess. Yeah, so, so they've joined the, the Audubon, National Audubon has joined the Communication Workers Union. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they now have a chapter there. They voted back in September. Yeah. Um, to start start that chapter and, and unionize, so that's that's been awesome. And now, um, as of uh, just a couple of days ago, I believe, um, yeah. they they sent out ballots to um, 140 ballots to 120 ballots, yeah. um, across the U.S. for the rest of the employees to to vote. So yeah. that'll Super be really exciting. exciting to see where that all ends up. And you know, I think that Eric and I have never really been a well. You've been a part. Of I've been a part of a number of unions across across the country, but. Uh, I've never been a part of a budding union chapter that's just starting, so that's so that's that's super exciting that they can uh, now they can collectively bargain and and deal with not not having to face some of the repercussions and retaliation that they've some of them have faced in the past and hostile work environments and all that stuff. It's all all going to be controlled and mitigated by uh, by having a union to protect them. So yeah. that's super exciting. The other thing was about the California condor part of. Parthon, parthenogenesis. Yeah, that's a mouthful. That's a, that's a tough one to say after you, you you've said it like thirty times, and then you and then you turn on the microphone, and then all of a sudden it's like now it's just a blah 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 blah. Anyways, um, so this was really exciting news that came out in the last couple weeks. Uh, you may have seen it already, and we'll make sure to include uh, a link in the show notes so you can find out more. But Eric, do you want to give a brief synopsis on it? Yeah. So it seems like um, the the. Some scientists working with condors have gone back and done a genetic study of all of the condors, basically. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not that many California condors out there, so th- we have gen- genetic material from pretty much all of them, mm-hmm. um, if not entirely all of them. I'm not, I'm not completely clear on that, but um, they, they did a study and found that some chicks that were born back a number of years ago um, were, didn't have a father. They didn't have genetic material that matched any of the males that they had mm-hmm. the females were captive with males and they were actively trying to breed. Um, but, um, the chicks that they bore were not of the males that were in captivity. They only had genetic material from the females, but they're not clones, right? They're not. No, I, I didn't. Or buds. Well, it's, it's essentially like, so a lot of plants and yeah. um, a lot of invertebrates do this where they, um, the female will develop an ovum without any material from a second, uh, from a second individual. So mm-hmm. they'll just kind of start developing. And this, this happens in um, a lot of, uh, a lot of different species, but it's not usually successful. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, humans 
humans have been known to do it, but it creates uh, a, a tumor or a grouping of cells that just kind of sloughs off and, and dies. Uh-huh. It, it has been known to happen. Um, and then also in a number of other mammals, but typically they don't, uh, they don't come to fruition. They don't, um, they're not viable. They don't uh, survive. But uh, invertebrates and, some, and many, many plants just reproduce this way anyways. Yeah. But um, some invertebrates, they, it's been known to happen. Some of them do it on purpose. And it's just really super exciting or super exciting slash interesting <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not like a way to sustain the population because sure. we have two chicks out of how many ever chicks have been born since 2000. Mm-hmm. That we're aware of. That we're aware of. Yeah. But it's just, it's it's interesting. It's yeah. a, like, maybe maybe we only need female condors from now on. That's it. Don't have to worry about the males. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, that's kind of old news. It's, it's a couple of weeks ago, so I'm sure you guys have seen all the um, articles and stuff. But we'll, we'll throw one in the show notes just in case you haven't yeah. and you want to check it out. Uh, so reviews this week? Not this week. Okay. <laughs> um, and then moving on to my latest episode, I interviewed Crystal and we talked about travel because mm-hmm. she's big into travel and what it's like to be a birder in uh, Texas. So check that out for that as well as my cocktail, which is a song run, which Eric was not... He wasn't real sure about because it's Coke and orange juice. Yeah, I was, when you said Coke and orange juice, I was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> that's, I mean, you got Coke, it's pretty acidic, and then you got orange juice, more acid, but, you know. It was good. It wasn't bad. Yeah. It wasn't a bad drink. I was pretty, pretty proud of that one. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> so check that out anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, Women Birders Happy Hour. Yeah. And I would love to have you listen in for more and maybe make a cocktail. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we're gonna be traveling a couple places. Yes. Um, not to brag. Not well. Not to we, we can brag a little bit, but um, we're going to San Diego in uh, February. Yes, and yes. Um, the 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 festival's live, so you can book your your tickets now, and you can also sign up for the bike tours that we're leading. Yeah, we're all around Mission Bay. We get a ride, ride a handful of miles, see lots of species. I, I really enjoyed doing it. I, I, I should go back and review my checklists. We can we can talk about it in the next next episode. But there was I, I, there was pretty good numbers. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we were over the week we did, last year we, or two years ago when we did it. It was uh, we did five four four days of it. Something like that. Something like that. And yeah. we ended up over a hundred species over the time. So yeah, it's pretty pretty good. Yeah, and it's good workout. Um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed doing it. So there's that, and then we have a huge announcement. Huge. Burr, burr, burr. <laughs> um, no, Hannah, that's the burner oh, giveaway noise. I'm sorry, gosh. yeah, it's a whole different noise. Wow, how could I be so dumb? <laughs> um, so our huge announcement is that we are heading to Uganda next week. Yes. So, in from recording of this, what are we eight nine oh, days out? N- yeah, but we're yeah from the time we fly. Yeah. Yeah. So we're so we need to pack. I know, seriously, I gotta buy some stuff. (laughs) Um, So anyways, we are just super excited to be headed to Uganda and see all of the amazing things that are there, as well as speak at the African Bird Expo. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I just, I like can't believe it. (laughs) I know, it's it's super, it's shocking, it's amazing, I can't, uh, I can't wait, I am so excited. Um, We are going to be posting on our socials. As much as we get internet service. Every time we have internet, we're going to post. We have... I think we're going to look get some international data so we can post a little bit from in the field, but uh, I think it's going to be a lot of uh, get back to the hotel and spend the evening not sleeping, but posting on social media. About <laughs> so we can share with you all. The awesome time that we had that each day. So I am super excited. I hope I can take enough pictures. I hope my hard drive is large enough. 
for, for all of this. So we're very excited to share with you all our about our trip to Uganda. So make sure to follow our social accounts, which we'll say at the end of the podcast. I think it's also in the show notes too. So you can follow along and see what there is to see while birding in Uganda. Yeah. And gorilla-ing and chimpanzee-ing and uh-huh. all, the, all the other... Maybe it's just mammaling. I was going to say mammaling. <laughs> yeah, ma- mammaling, birding. Maybe, maybe we'll see if we can herp a little bit. I, I don't know. We'll we'll see what's all there. Yeah. See, we'll, we'll see everything. Yeah. We're not going to sleep. <laughs> no sleep club. No sleep club. <laughs> um, so very excited about that. And then, of course, we have our Bird Nerd giveaway results. Yeah. Um, so, Eric, you want to remind us what... Uh, our partnership is this time? Yeah, so the Obvious Spice Company, um, founded by Matthew Nissenbaum and uh, Vaidiki Huthaisen, um, they have a hot sauce company. Yeah. It's an awesome hot sauce company. They design hot sauces around birds. Um, super they cool. come up with a couple, come up with a species or come up with flavors. I'm not sure which first. <laughs> um, but they, they make a bird yeah. out, of, out of different things. So they've got vultures, they've got hawks, they've got all sorts of really cool different flavors of hot sauces. So we asked listeners to, um, not necessarily a hot sauce, but come up with the flavor of birds, some like a sauce or a dish or it's something Just that's flavors. Flavor, flavors for birds. That represent the bird. Exactly. Basically like Hannah's Cocktails or this Office Spice Company, like something that represents the bird. So we had a randomly selected winner who was Barbara G um, with their entry of the Golden Eagle, hot peppers, and sweet mustard. So thank you so much, Barbara. We'll send you over your hot sauce uh, that you won mm-hmm. as soon as we get it. <laughs> yes. Um, There's and- COVID shipments or everything. Everything's a little bit slower, so it might take a little bit, but we'll, we'll get it to you, Barbara. So thank you all for participating, Eric. We had a couple um, honorable mentions that we wanted to to put out there as well. So yeah. we randomly selected a winner on this, but here are some honorable mentions. Um, Jared said uh, the Roadrunner, which would be Southwest flavors like Chipotle peppers. And if you eat too much of it, you'll be running to the bathroom like a Roadrunner. Yeah. Beep, beep. <laughs> he put the beep, beep, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> that was my favorite part of it. Beep, beep. <laughs> um i really liked uh steven klingler's as well volcano junko um cayenne habanero and chili yes <laughs> like that's very representative of volcano <laughs> junko and then uh we got steve sent in a wild turkey um so very a very uh um thanksgiving a theme, traditional a traditional thanksgiving flavor of cranberries and cornbread dressing Sounds delicious. <laughs> so thank you all for participating. Um, tune in to our next episode where we'll discuss uh, our next giveaway. Yeah, the next giveaway. We'll, we'll let you all know in uh, two weeks. Yeah. So um, getting into it. Main story. Rio Grande Valley. If you haven't already gotten enough of, I think, our six or seven other episodes about the Rio Grande <laughs> There's Valley. There's actually not that many. I, scroll, really? I scrolled back. Yeah. So we've got 2018 and 2019 are the two times that we've... Uh, and earlier this year when we were there. Well, and earlier this year. But that <laughs> That's doesn't not count. the same. It's not, it's not for the festival. It's different. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we went back down to the Rio Grande Valley to do the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival in a COVID-safe manner. Um, so that was... It was awesome to be back down there in the fall. Yes. And it was so great to to get to see all our friends and meet new friends. And, it, you know, we love festivals because it's a it's a great opportunity to meet and see people. Yeah. Uh, because birding isn't just about the birds. It's about the places you go and the people you see, too. And so that's one of the things that we really like about participating in festivals. Yeah. 
So flew down into Harlingen and we had one day uh, before the festival really started to kind of get our bearings because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it takes a little time to remember all the calls and you know, flight patterns and things like that of some it's, of these species. It's a little bit of like a remembering, like, okay, I haven't been down to the valley, and for, for us this time it had only been six months, but usually it's it's a full year yeah. in between when we go down there. So mm-hmm. it's just a whole, like, remembering, like, the olive sparrow and remembering all, all these, like, smaller calls, verdant and stuff like that, that we don't really hear that often, I feel like if the, ever, in Oregon. <laughs> I feel like there's a couple first calls that I hear, and it's like, oh, man, I'm back in the valley. And it's great-tailed grackle. Yeah. And then whistling duck. Oh, yeah. I feel like those are the two calls I hear first. And it's like, ah, this is this is the life. <laughs> so the, when, when we get down there, my favorite part of first arriving is when we get off the plane and... Especially if it's early enough in the evening or uh-huh. in the afternoon, like the smell, like the smell of like the mesquite being heat, heated up throughout the day and mm-hmm. the, the plants like produce like this, there's a particular smell and I, I don't know how to describe it except for that it, it's just... It smells like the valley. It smells like the valley and it's, I, I enjoy it when we get off, when we get off the plane and it's just like, okay, we're here. We're in the valley. I can smell it. Even before I hear grackles and before I hear green jays and chachalacas and kiskadees, all that stuff, it's the, the smell of the valley. It's like, oh, okay. Maybe, maybe it's caliche. Maybe the caliche like, has a smell. I'm not I feel sure like we need is. a candle with that scent. So if any of you know of a Rio Grande Valley candle, let me know because Christmas is coming up and I could get that for Eric. <laughs> so, so, Sue. Sue. Uh, we arrived in the evening, got to our hotel, and then... Next morning, we were up and ready to start scouting. Yes, so... Um, First stop, of course, has to be Asteriana Grande State Park. Yes, so we, we went to Asteriana Grande. Um, we met a couple birders that uh, that we've met in three other states No, I each. think, like, they're both at, like... I think one's at four and one's at five. So yeah, so... So I don't know if you'll all remember or care, but we've kind of been keeping, like, low-key... You know, we're listers. Listers. We like lists. And so we're low-key... Not like hardcore listers, but like listers. We're low-key keeping a list of like the different... How many states we've seen different people in. So it's like ticks. You know, like how eBird keeps track of your county ticks? Yeah. It's like that, but with states and people. But these ticks don't bite, so they're fine. <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> Anyways, so um, yeah, so some people be like, oh, I'm a three-stater, <laughs> which is hilarious. So thank you all for, um, you know... Giving Putting me that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so yeah, so we met Karen and Jen at Astero, mm-hmm. and um, we just, you know, kind of started on the the regular route around the park. Yeah, so we went around. We saw, basically saw all the things that you normally see at Astero. We got uh, we got uh, the, the Eastern Screech Owl. We got the Valley Specialties, White Tip Dove. Um, Buff-bellied Hummingbird. Yeah. We got, had the Common Paraki. The Common Paraki was out, out invisible, easy to find. The really good bird we had was seven wood storks that flew oh, in. Oh, yeah, that was a good Over one. the levee. I got some pictures of it. I just haven't uh, done anything with them yet. And then there was a huge liftoff of vultures. Oh, my gosh. It was incredible. We were standing on the levee that is over the canal on, like, the south side of Estero. Mm-hmm. And looking out over the north, like, into uh, Westlaco. There was thousands of, or okay, we put five fifty, so hundreds <laughs> of turkey vultures pro- that were taking off, lifting I off. I probably undercounted significantly because it was it was like uh, mosquitoes on the horizon, mm-hmm. sort of, uh, just tons and tons and tons of uh, vultures lifting off. Um, I think we, there was a handful of black vultures mixed in, 
Probably. Um, but I, it was just tons and tons of turkey vultures. Great, great day to go birding. It wasn't very hot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we had to, we had to kind of cut it off early a little bit because we had, we had places to go, other, other things to scout and, uh, and it was getting, it was getting to lunchtime. Yeah. We had to, we had to go to Nana's. Yeah. So we stopped off at Nana's Taqueria, yeah, Taqueria, which is about a mile from Asteriana Grande State Park. And, you know, I think they painted it since we'd been there. Because oh, yeah. They it, painted it. They've, they're, they're doing a whole addition. They're adding on to it. So... We've talked about Nana's before sure. in the past. Yeah. Um, and it's a staple. It's a staple. And my Facebook feed blows up <laughs> when we get down there for the first two days of the festival as all the out-of-town guides and all the vendors from out of town. Yeah. As they arrive to town, they all flock down to Nana's <laughs> and go get lunches and they get their carne asada and get all of the stuff that they have there. So it's it's pretty awesome. I feel like I always forget how good a lonche is until I eat it. And then you're and, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, I, I've never really thought about it until this time. But, so, a lonche, if you haven't listened to us talk about this before, it's basically like a taco. And you can get, I think you can get steak or chicken in it. But, I think. But we anyways. always get steak, so. Well, yeah, I always get steak. And so, it's like a, it's like a giant, giant garlic. Um, Hot dog bread, bun? Like almost? a garlic breadstick sort of thing. Yeah. Like a big one because it's really garlicky and buttery and it's got the steak in it and you've got salsa and limes and it's so good. And you get five of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's really filling. So definitely, I know we've talked about it before, but Nana's is like the place to go in Westlaco. Yeah. If you're burning an Estero. If you're burning an Estero, swing by Nana's on your way out and grab some lunches. Yeah. Um, so we got lunches. Yeah. Um, we got lunch. Lunche, lunches, lunch, lunches. There we go. Um, delicious, awesome. Um, but we had to, we had, we had things to go. We, we, we wanted to go scout out a location that we were going to be guiding at, that we've never been to. It was a brand new location for the um, festival. Mm-hmm. Never been to it before. It's called uh, Palmito Hill Road and Rocket Ranch. Yeah, so normally um, the festival will go down to Boca Chica Beach mm-hmm. and do a tour down there, um, but things have really changed a lot with SpaceX, Yeah, and so this was a new trip, and we were the first ones leading it, <laughs> and so we were like, maybe we should check this out before we go. <laughs> yeah, so we, we headed down there, um, turned down down Boca Chica, so you head down to Brownsville, you get take the exit for Boca Chica Road, which is like exit two yeah. um, from the border. Uh-huh. Head out east until you get like halfway to um, SpaceX. Yeah. And there's a road. Um, it's just got a big sign that says Rocket Ranch. It's Palmito Hill Road. Mm-hmm. There's a parking lot right there as soon as you turn off. So you can park and kind of bird like right there. Really in the overgrown lot. parking lot. Very too. overgrown. There's yeah. like an interpreter panel, but it's like nobody's. Yeah, you can't get to it without nobody's all sorts of for years. insects all over you yeah. of some sort. Um, but. It was awesome. The birding along Palmito Hill Road is really, really good. <laughs> Which they only had seventy three species, or I'm sorry, seventy three checklists. checklists and one hundred and fifty three species um, at the time of us going. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, is this site really going to be that good? Because I, like there hadn't been a list there for a month. Yeah, I was like, so people don't go to this place. And we get there, and it's incredible. And it's like, why aren't people going to this place? <laughs> it's it's a really really good hotspot. So the um, and the, it's quiet. Yeah, the, the road is three miles long um, from beginning to end. There is no other traffic on the road. We saw. I think we were there for a couple hours the first day, mm-hmm. and then when we went for the trip, we were there for like three hours, maybe more than maybe four hours. Sure. Along Palmito Hill Road, and when we were there by ourselves, scouting it, I think maybe two cars drove by. Yeah. Which that's awesome. White tail, white tail hawks, um, crested caracaras, um, 
tons and tons of hawks on the line. Um, we had just birds everywhere. And we were there later in the afternoon. Yeah, so we weren't even there first thing in the morning. Yeah, so it wasn't necessarily fantastic birding in the morning. Uh, or, I'm sorry, it wasn't exactly fantastic birding in the <laughs> afternoon because, you know, it's it's that thing that, like, it's warmer and lots of the, the species have already been feeding for the day. And yeah. so they're kind of siestaing and there's hawks that are hanging around waiting for things to pop up. So um, that first day, we, like Eric said, Harris's hawks, uh, white-tailed hawks, that sort of thing. And then we just kind of took that road all the way to the end, which is where Rocket Ranch is. And... Along that road, it's like a couple miles, like, like the first mile or two is maybe all like farmland, I think, leading I, up to it. There's yeah, I don't like, know who owns it. Yeah, there's a couple properties. So you go like around the corner and there's um, smaller properties yeah. that are surrounded mesquites. It's like they, they, call them, they call them all ranches. Like people, yeah. people sure. get little properties and they call them a ranch even if they're not actually ranching on it. Whatever. I don't, I don't know. There's, it's, there's something about that in Texas, I'm, I guess. I'm not really sure what those other properties are for, what people are doing on them. There was, like, one that had a boat that was, like, covered in plywood. Yeah. Another one that had, like, an RV on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then... The one with the boat smelled like a dead animal, like, really strongly. Well, so someone might have crawled into the boat. Who knows? Maybe crawled under the boat. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, we get around the corner and all, all, all the way to the end, and that's where the Rocket Ranch is. Mm-hmm. And you have to call and get access to it. Um, but they also, well, I'll get into it in a second. But, yeah. like, uh, just it kind of dead ends, like, two properties after the Rocket Ranch. Mm-hmm. And it looks like there's one resident that lives down there uh, right next to the Rocket Ranch. Uh, but, yeah, it's, other than that, I don't really know how many other residents, like, live down that way. So it's pretty isolated. Yeah, it's de- definitely way isolated. And um, the, the place, Rocket Ranch, is a... Um, like a campground, like a private campground that the guy has just uh, recently started uh, since SpaceX has become a thing down there. Yeah. Um, he's, it's basically a guy, a space enthusiast that... Um, I think it's a couple guys. A co- I think it's two guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. who are space enthusiasts and really into SpaceX. Mm-hmm. And they bought this site um, because it's close to SpaceX and they actually have a, an area where you can go stand and watch the launches. Yeah, so not not on their rocket ranch there, but like if you go get go back out to the main road, I guess they have built a tower. I like think a I 30, saw it. 30 foot tall tower that's the closest that you can be on private property to Watching the launch the pad. So it's they they specifically bought in this area so that they could be close to the rockets. Um, while they're launching. So this property, when you get into it, it's maybe like a half mile of road of Caliche Road that takes you to where the, the campground is. Mm-hmm. And um, it's still in development, but they have a clubhouse that has... So I'm just going to be out there and be like, space isn't really my thing. <laughs> um, but I mean, I get that it's some people's thing. So, you know, to each their own. But in the the clubhouse, these guys are really dedicated, which is just fascinating <laughs> to me. So they have a TV that has like a twenty four seven webcam going to the launch pad, so that you can like watch what the engineers and construction workers and whoever are out there doing. Mm-hmm. And so when we were standing there chatting. Um, you know, they were doing something with a crane and <laughs> these guys were all really excited yeah. about like, well, once they're done with that, then they can do this and then they can do that and then they can launch. <laughs> it was like, like, okay, wow, you really know their plan. 
Um, so there was that, and then uh, they also had some parts that they had scavenged. That that from... was my understanding. Like just some random like aluminum like scraps that uh, were like, oh, this is the baffle for the oxygen tanks. This is some piece that a motor mounts to, and just like these random things that they've. It sounds like they essentially have scavenged from out in the wetlands from blowing up rockets. Yeah. When they launch them and they blow up and then they go out and find pieces. But it was a really nice clubhouse. So if you stay there, you know, there's like a kitchen you can use. They had like drinks and all that. I think they had a kegerator. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, they're very hospitable Mm -hmm. and they have a couple uh, like old trailers, like retro trailers that you can rent and stay in that are like right along the Rio Grande. Yeah. Um, And then they had a boat ramp. And they actually had their own, like, pontoon boat. Yeah, a pontoon boat that didn't work or They were, like, talking about doing rides. Um, And then there were a couple people that were just staying there that we chatted with that are just, you know, space enthusiasts and wanted to be a part of this. And so they're there. And then do you want to talk about the Mars habitat? Oh, I think (laughs) it's fascinating. There there were, like, these silver domes. And then they're going to get a bunch of red... Like bark um, dust? Red bark dust, and they're going to basically fill the whole area in with red bark, and so it's going to look like the regolith on Mars, and they'll have all these silver domes to be like their Mars habitat area that you can rent out the stuff and pretend like you're living on Mars. Well, so and they that, also... That was interesting. They were constructing like a like a concert hall sort of thing that had like a couple box cars. Yeah, um, big, big convex boxes. Yeah, yeah, and then like a covered area in between them. So they were going to do like, you know, movie nights and things like that out there. Yeah, so, so there was there was a lot going on, a lot of big plans that they have for the for this little ranch, this little camp, this new private owned campground. Which you know, there's not a whole lot of camping in the valley. No, there isn't a lot of camping in the valley. So that's that'll that'll be nice once that's all up and running for camping. Um, but the birds weren't necessarily the greatest in that uh, spot. But he had a really nice bathroom. They did have a good bathroom. <laughs> um, a good shower, good looking showers too. I didn't obviously didn't shower, <laughs> but they looked good. But it was available if you needed it. And the coolest thing when we were exiting, so we went just to scout it out and meet Anthony and, you know, see what this is all about. So Mm -hmm. we know what we're getting into when we take guests out there. But the coolest thing was when we were leaving, (laughs) there was a bobcat and two baby bobcats on the road. Two kittens. Yeah. And the two kittens were like, they were like being goofy and they just like raced up a tree and then saw us and then raced down the tree. <laughs> and then they were like running around and jumping around the mom. and They were so cute. Yeah. yeah. I got I got a couple terrible pictures of them <laughs> and, from uh, like a quarter mile away. And the property um, is butts up to National Wildlife Refuge. Yeah. So it, yeah. It was... Protected habitat on two sides of it. So it's, and then the river on the other side. So. And there's something in Mexico that I didn't really get what was over there. Oh, it was like a... Uh, Orchard or something. It was an orchard, yeah. And we saw a javelina over there. Yeah, javelina over in the orchard and then uh, the bobcat. So we saw saw some good wildlife there while we were there for 15, 20 minutes, stuff like that. Not not super long there. We had to go to the dinner, the the kickoff. The kickoff dinner. Yeah. So we went went to that, had a a great evening um, as the kickoff, um, some drinks, some, uh, some food, and like the big guides meeting and all that stuff. So that Mm -hmm. was, that was nice. Um, went, went home or went home, went to the hotel, <laughs> went to bed, woke up to start our first day of guiding at, uh, Benson, mm-hmm. which we, we can 
we can talk about Benson, but we don't. I don't think we need to because we've. If you go back and listen to um, 2019 Let and me, 2018, I'll just brief. A brief. Yeah. Okay, so I worked at Benson for a year and a half as an interpreter. That was my first real job, yeah. like out of college with like a 401k and health insurance and everything. Um, <laughs> first full time permanent. When we moved to the valley, it was a completely different experience. Working at Benson was just like eye opening. Like I don't know anything about birds. Like I'm so dumb. <laughs> you know, not that anybody <laughs> treated me that way. It was just like my own perspective of like holy moly, there is so much out here in the yeah. world that I just wasn't even aware of. So it was a complete learning experience. Um, Benson is a really great park. It used to be the major gem of the valley, and then Astero was built, and that's kind of the the hot spot to go to now. But um, Benson is a really cool place to check out. It has some really unique things like elf owls in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, most other locations don't have elf owls. And then it has some claims to fame of um, different rare birds that are yeah, showing up there. a bunch of rare birds that have popped in. So Yeah, every couple of years there's a really good rare bird that mm-hmm. pops up. So um, we typically guide at Benson at least one time each festival, which is great because I love going there. And I love seeing what's changed. Um, this year, the big change that I felt was that the Rusaka at the had tower had water at yeah. it, which um, Roy was kind of like, yeah, you don't want to go there. There's not anything there. But I had never seen that Rusaka with water. Yeah. So it was like, we have to go to the Hawk Tower because I want to see the water in the Rusaka, which ended up being great because that was our only Crested Caracara for the day was from the Hawk Tower. Yeah. Well, and then we had the um, the Coots. Sure. They were in the water. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're American coots. So you can see them in, in many of the states around the country, but um, but we hadn't seen any for the day, and that mm-hmm. was the only place to see them for the day. So it was it was a good day birding. We got out, um, I think, what was it? It was like maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. We were like halfway through guiding, and uh, we got a message about uh, the first rarity of the festival. It was 11 o'clock. It was it 11 o'clock. Up. Yeah. Yeah, so we, like, there was no way, like, you don't you don't drive halfway across the valley with a bus full of forty people <laughs> for a rarity. Um, there's there's rules not to do that anymore. There's rules not to do that anymore. <laughs> um, but the first um, rarity of the festival showed up um, a social flycatcher, which looks just like a kiskadi. It's a little bit smaller. Um, doesn't sound like a kiskadi at all. Um, sounds completely different. But uh, we've seen them um, when we were in Mexico. Mm-hmm. We've seen them down when we were down south. Um, so it's not like it would be a lifer, but it's an extremely rare bird because it's it's not a migratory species. It just kind of somehow got caught up and ended up in the valley, weirdly. Yeah. Um, it was seen and rec- the audio recordings taken by one group. And then we were like, oh, we got we to gotta get down there. So as soon as our trip ended, we um, scarfed down some enchiladas at lunch and then raced down to look for it and spent, I don't know, like... Three hours? We spent about two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. And wandered two and a half miles around uh, UT, University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, looking for this Yeah, bird. so drove all the way back down to Brownsville to go just walk and walk and walk and walk. And we, we walked basically the entire campus multiple yeah. times and could not find it. Could not find it. There, there was, I don't know, 60 other birders down there while oh, we yeah. were down there. All looking, all kind of scouting all around, driving, driving and walking through the neighborhood around it. Social flycatcher in, like down in Mexico, you'll find it in cities. It'll mm-hmm. it'll be our first our life for social flycatcher was from our hotel in uh, Playa del Carmen. Mm-hmm. We're just yeah, sitting just right on our outside. deck and or sitting on the deck of the hotel, and they're just like all up and down the street on the wires. Yeah, like they're they're in town, <laughs> so people are wandering up and down the streets 
looking for it. We're wandering around the Rosakas that are on campus. Got some uh, fulvous whistling duck mixed in with the, some black bellies. We, yeah. we got a whole bunch of species, really good species. Um, Ended up with 28 species. 28 species um, for middle of the afternoon list. It didn't start till like 1 o'clock in the afternoon or 2 o'clock or something. So it was, it was, it was a great time birding. But no social flight catcher. It's so us. funny because like we would probably run into another group like every you know half mile or something like that yeah. and be like, "Did you see anything?" And they'd be like, "No." And it's like, "Why are we asking each other? We all have WhatsApp." I know. Like, <laughs> we're we're all in this giant text chain with like seventy or eighty other people. So, anyways, we wandered all over that campus, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful campus, by the way. Oh, yeah. um, and dipped on the bird. So that was kind of a bummer. But then it was never seen again during the festival. So it wasn't like we missed it. Yeah. That's, that's, I guess that's some solace. Yeah. You know? And uh, we, we had to get back anyways because there was a new event for the festival called Dinner with the Guides, mm-hmm. which we were lucky enough to be selected for. <laughs> yes. I think the coordinator sent out a, um, an email prior to the festival, a couple weeks prior to the festival, asking who would be interested in uh, participating. And I think every single guide said... <laughs> Free yeah. dinner? Yes. Free dinner? Yeah, I'll, 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 go, I'll go dinner with the guides. That'll, that'll <laughs> be fun. And so then we get to the guides uh, meeting, and she's like, so I had too many volunteers, so now I have to like pull names out of a hat. <laughs> so that, that's we, we ended up getting our name pulled out of a hat to be part of the um, dinner with the guides. We went to smoke. Which is an awesome barbecue place. Oh my gosh, brisket, brisket was amazing. The sausage was awesome. The um, the barbecue sauce on the side was super great. Like it had like uh, cracked peppercorn in it, so you could. It was it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm not watering again thinking about it. I kind of wanted to go back the next <laughs> day or so and like get more brisket. Yeah, so it was really really good. Um, basically, the whole concept is that um, the guides go in two to a table, six participants to a table, and we. Kind of tables are kind of distanced apart. We get to sit, we have have dinner, we chat, and just talk about anything anybody wants to talk about. Just have a, have a good conversation and have some good brisket. So I was randomly placed with people I already knew, which yeah. was weird. <laughs> yeah, so some people from Houston that uh, that we've we've gone gone birding with and seen, um, gone to some meetings with and stuff. So it's people people we knew. Yeah, so that like, was I was at the other end of the table, wild. so my people were all new for me. <laughs> but the one lady I talked to, um, she was from Florida, uh, and she was friends with the people from Houston. And she was fascinating because she was telling me all about being a volunteer on Midway Island oh, yeah. in 2001. And she was actually there during um, 9-11. Mm-hmm. So she had this whole wild experience of being there and the island being shut down and like, you know, not getting great communication about what was going on, which yeah. I mean, it's horrible and everything, but it was just completely, I had never thought about like, what, what about these people that are like American, um, strongholds, you know, that, that weren't on the mainland and can watch, you know, CNN like the rest of us. Yeah. There's kind of, kind of cut off from most communication and then, yeah all of a sudden completely cut off from all communication Yeah, for a little bit. Um, and also, I mean, it's just really cool to talk about, like, volunteering in Midway. Like, yeah. I can't get enough about Midway. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've already interviewed two people from my other podcast that have been volunteers out there. <laughs> you like, just seek out people that have gone to Midway. I have Googled. Spent time out there. Because I know there's elder hostel trips that randomly go out there. Mm-hmm. And so I have Googled, like, how can I get out to Midway without doing the whole six-month volunteer thing? <laughs> Um, because that would be great. I just don't have six months of my life I can set aside to do that. That's true. Anyways, so. Dinner with the guides was awesome. Mm -hmm. Had great meals and great conversation. And I didn't get any beer. 
but I had sweet tea. <laughs> I had sweet tea. Or I, I actually I didn't get the sweet tea. I I avoided, I, I avoided the sugar. I had an Arnold Palmer. That's what I did too. Yeah. <laughs> Mixed the unsweet with the with the lemonade. So yeah, we went back to the hotel um, to prepare for our next day of guiding, which was where we had scouted out Palmito Hill and Rocket yeah. Ranch. Yeah, and it was Palmito Hill is even better when you go there first thing in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's road road birding essentially. Mm-hmm. We um, we parked at that parking lot, spent a good 45 minutes at the parking lot. Hour and 15 minutes? Well, at the parking lot. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, so like 45 minutes at the parking lot itself. And then uh, had two different Orioles, um, Baltimore Oriole, which is um, out of season. Um, out of season, like like it's a watermelon that <laughs> isn't growing right now. Okay. Um, and an Altamira Oriole. Mm-hmm. Um, Olive Sparrow, uh, Cardinals, um, Buicks, and uh, Carolina Wrens. Vireos, Vermilion Flycatcher, Caracaras. Yeah, white-tailed hawk, like ton, tons of stuff. Lots, lots of good birds. I always feel like white-tailed hawk is like a really difficult bird to get, and I, then I feel like we saw so many of them. Yeah, it's it's really habitat specific. So yeah. it's a, a large bootio that's yeah. white-tailed hawk. It's, mm-hmm. I I feel like we don't see that many. Like numbers aren't very high. It's usually just one here, one there. Yeah. But we've seen them a ton of different times. So awesome bird, great looks, Adam. Um, while we're driving down Palmetto Hill Road, um, went back to Rocket Ranch again. Um, birding was better than it was when we went there the first day, but, sure. uh, still not, not super great. Um, got white, um, flyover of a white-faced ibis. Um, we had, uh, We had Inca does, we had yeah. white-tipped, white-winged, so I was thinking of... in the, in the river there was a great blue heron oh, yeah. hanging out. Um, there was no javelina. Nothing going on in Mexico. Nothing in Mexico. But, you know, we still spent about an hour there. We mm-hmm. got to use the bathroom. Um, learn more about the ranch because we did have a lot of people that were interested in, you know, in what was going on yeah, there. Yeah, I think like half the people we had really wanted to know, were excited about the space aspect of Rocket Ranch. Mm-hmm. So um, because things were a little bit slow, we were like, okay, well, we're, we'll bird the road back out. And then if there's time, we'll get to, um, we'll go head down to Boca Chica. Um, since we still, we still had a target left. We yeah. still had not seen, um, gold build turn. Yeah. That was, that, that was, was one of our targets for the area. Somebody really wanted that bird. And so. Yeah. Specifically, we, we had one person that was like, I need it. It's a lifer. <laughs> and that's, that's one reason I signed up for this. So it's like, all right, let's, half the people let's wanted to see this. the rockets, half the people, or half the people want to see the rockets. One person wanted to go build turn. So I was like, okay, that's plenty of reason to go drive out to the end of Boca Chica road and see what we can find out there. Yeah. So, um, we were also, we were a little concerned about driving out there because Eric and I tried to drive out there when we were scouting mm-hmm. and we got stuck in, uh, traffic. Yeah. And traffic so, of construction on the road, like them fixing potholes and, and whatever else they're fixing on the road. And so we were just really concerned about that because we have to get back in time, um, or else we get in trouble. <laughs> and so we were like, okay, we're going to do this. But I was watching the clock the whole time just in case, you know, we ran into a construction situation, Yeah, which it was smooth sailing out there when we went yeah. with the group. And they closed the and road it, frequently for like launches and stuff like that. It was also Veterans Day, so I don't think they were doing road construction because of that. Yeah, which was convenient for us. Yeah. Yeah, so we get out there, see the rockets, we stu- we look at the spaceport and it's it's a whole it's a whole thing. It used to be mud flats and stuff and now so, it's got a lot of caliche. So there's a lot of people that are upset about it because, you know, destruction of habitat, especially with some endangered species. Yeah, like like the piping plover, um it, they destroyed some habitat for it and then the the rockets are um pretty disturbing when they launch and especially disturbing when they blow up. Like <laughs> when they're not that far up and they blow up and they <laughs> cause a whole bunch of destruction. It's uh not uh not conducive to birding and uh, bird life. Um 
So we didn't spend too much time out at the end of Boca Chica because, like I said, I was concerned about getting back on time. Yeah. But we got the gold build turn, which was really good. Yeah, and um, the person that it was a lifer for, they were also interested in the rockets. So they got a picture <laughs> of the gold build turn between them and the rockets. So you have a rocket in the background and a gold build turn. So they were they were... They were pretty jazzed. And we just drove out to the end of Boca Chica Road. We didn't go onto the beach really at all. Maybe I mean, like 50 feet on the beach um, walking. Mm -hmm. But, you know, from right there, this is what I love about, like, Texas and, like, burning on the Gulf Coast is that there's so many shorebirds that are so easily viewable. Like, yeah. here in Oregon, like... I didn't even really realize we had shorebirds until, really? <laughs> until we like moved to Texas and oh, saw them on the beach. Oh, we have a lot more shorebirds here. <laughs> no, 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 but they're not as like easily viewable. Like we don't, they're That's not true. like right there. They're not like right at the beach access. That's true. You have to, you have to like kind of sneak along and, and find, find the groups of them. Yeah. And I mean like turnstone, sure. Yeah. They're going to be in, in rocky areas. So you, yeah. you go there, you see a handful of things, but just right out on the beach from us, you're just going to get goals. Yeah. That's true. Um, so, you know, we had Dunlin out there, we had yellow legs, uh, lots of goals, um, turns. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole turn flock just right there. Yeah. Uh pelicans diving into the ocean. We were looking also looking for gannets, um, because that those had been reported a couple days before we had gotten there, but mm -hmm. we didn't see any gannets. Well the, the day the day before they had like fifty of them. But they're they're just they're out and they're flying by and doing stuff. So. I know, I was just hoping we could scope one. Yeah, out. no, that would have been cool. Yeah, so I think I think we had a really good day out there. We got um, got all the targets that people wanted. Mm -hmm. um, we saw saw some cool stuff. Saw some additional targets like the rockets that a couple of the people really wanted to see. Yeah, um, seeing Starbase and all that stuff. And that was yeah, just a really interesting trip. Um, I feel like we probably we never we never even seen Starbase, so it was like okay, well this is this is interesting. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like a little bit of a blight on the situation out there. With the you're driving through wetlands and all of a sudden there's a gravel parking lot with a building. Yeah. But, but, but it was interesting to see. You know, now I feel like I know better about what people are talking about. Because I, yeah. I feel like oh, yeah. I've heard about it for a long time. And like, oh, you know, Elon Musk. Blah, blah, blah. But now I've actually like seen it. So yeah. I have a little bit better of a handle of what what's actually <laughs> what, what, going on. What's out there and what it, what it looks like. Yeah. So um, it was a fun beginning to the festival. You know, we didn't, we didn't get any lifers. We got a lot of Cameron County birds because we just really haven't birded Cameron County all that much. And most of our Cameron County birding is uh, big day birding where I don't go through and separate out my lists. Well, and also also like migrants at um, like the convention center, mm, yeah. like during the spring migration. So it's very warbler heavy and yeah, shorebird heavy. <laughs> so we have really haven't, I, I don't know. Well, I'm sure we had white-eyed vireo out there, but some of those doves, like white-tipped dove. White, yeah, never, yeah. never had any of those out in Cameron County before. So that was all... That was all new new stuff that was interesting. So mm -hmm. I think we had a, a great couple of first couple of days of the festival. Yeah, I, I had I fun. Can't... Bummer that we missed on the social flycatcher, yeah, but well. it, like we said, it wouldn't have been a lifer. It would have been an ADA bird. Um, but, so oh, well. it was it was too bad that like Tiffany couldn't get it because yeah. she's working on her big year, you know. Um, I know we, she was down there within like before. an hour of them seeing it. I know, but it's the last pe the people that found it and. They were the first ones to lose it. Like it, it just came in and left real quick. It was calling a whole bunch and then just flew away and left. And then they couldn't refind it. Like they had like five minutes with the bird and that's it. Yeah. Oh well. That's how birding goes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
yeah, tune in for more Rio Grande Valley Festival in our next episode. Yes. Um, we promise we'll have some different places and different foods that we eat, so it's not yes. just a repeat stuff from every single year. Stuff that you guys have year. never heard before. <laughs> All new stuff. Brand new content. <laughs> um, and also, you know, make sure to tune into our Facebook page and our social media for uh, our upcoming trip to Uganda. Yeah. We'll, we'll try to post as much as we can so you guys can feel like you're there with us. Yeah. You can, live, you can burn vicariously through our social media posts. I mean, we do it enough with other people's that's social true. media. <laughs> Every single rare bird that's sound, that's like major FOMO for me because yeah. everybody else has seen it. That's so, the joy of working. Yeah. So thank you guys all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and or learned something new. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, and anywhere else that you listen to us. You can follow us on our socials like we were talking about um, on Instagram, Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding. Hannah with an H, Eric with a K. You can also follow us on our Twitter at WeGoBirding, our Facebook page at Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Um, you can check out our TikTok, Hannah and Eric Hannah Go Birding. And Eric Go um, our website is www.gobirdingpodcast.com. And if you want to contact us um, outside of social media, you can email us at um, Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com. And that's it. Just let us know what's going on. Happy birding.